My sermon is entitled uh, Power Lessons, and it is a meditation on the difference between how we exercise power when God is at the center of our lives and when God is not at the center. Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's been famously written that the story of Jesus, including the Passion narrative, of course, is simply the greatest story ever told, certainly the most influential, the ultimate story of good versus evil. But think of how strange this story is, particularly at this point. As favorite stories go, we have a fairly customary situation where the bad guys have the good guy Jesus on the ropes. Hmm? It's crunch time. Well, how is this story supposed to go from this point on? Well, we all know, don't we? Look at your favorite stories, whether it's you know, in the movies, TV shows, westerns, cop shows, to Star Wars, to the Avengers, and so on and so on. The bad guy doesn't win, right? Nobody wants to see that. The good guy wins because at some point the good guy fights back. He, his, his reinforcements uh, show up. Or he has a previously hidden source of power or strength that is suddenly revealed. In the vast majority of stories that interest us, the good guy turns the tables on the bad guys and exacts revenge. He uses or she, raw power to win. In our world, as it is currently constituted, we have a hard time even conceiving of a victory without the exercise of raw power and getting revenge for wrongs done to you. What's the saying? Uh, Nothing is sweeter than revenge. And yet, here we have Jesus, the Son of God, who lets himself be bullied, mocked, tortured, finally killed without putting up a fight. The greatest story ever told? Well, some will say, it's not the greatest story right away, but of course after the resurrection, Then he gets revenge and turns the tables on the bad guys? Well, how so? Does he lead an army against Rome? No. Does he orchestrate a campaign to have all of the Jewish authorities removed from office? Not exactly. (laughs) Does he condemn everyone in the crowd who shouted against him to eternal damnation? Well, no. Jesus turns the tables on his tormentors and executioners in the human race by offering forgiveness and eternal life to them. (laughs) Say what? Remember one of Jesus' seven last words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not exactly revenge, is it? I will pour out my Holy Spirit among you, says God. 
not exactly revenge. You see in the Gospel of John, sin is quite simple. It's failing to see that Jesus is from God and for us. From God and for us. And yes, even the worst of us. But, okay, hold on. Doesn't Jesus take on sin, death, and the devil and defeat them? Yes, but not by blunt force because that won't get the job done, but rather by using his power in a different way. Normally in this world, power is seen as a tool to get people to do things your way or as a weapon for your tribe to use against the other tribe. We understand power largely in coercive terms, I would suggest to you. But God didn't come to this earth in Jesus of Nazareth to exact revenge on humans for their rebellion and destroy them, but rather to give them, us, life. Even those who condemned him to death. All of us. And so, Jesus' revenge of forgiveness was followed by the revenge of the giving of God's Holy Spirit to people, even people who cried crucify him, even people who persecuted Jesus. Look at Saul, who became Paul. God's revenge on the human race is literally to empower them with the power of God to be life givers, equippers, empowerers themselves in the world. Now, not anyone, of course, but those who believe in Jesus, regardless of their path to that point. After Easter, we will explore the many ways we are all empowered to be life givers in our world and in our church. The experience is called GPS, Finding Direction in Your Faith Journey. I hope you will be a part of that unleashing and empowering. Now, as an aside and uh, an illustration, some of you may have seen the movie Black Panther. If it sounds a little threatening, if you remember the political movement in the 60s, this is a Disney movie that nonetheless picks up some of those themes dealing with race and responsibility. And in this movie, as it's setting all these box office records, Black Panther, it's holding forth on a debate of this very thing that we're talking about, and that is the use of power. In the movie, there are three options that the fictional people of Wakanda wrestle with in their deliberations about power. Should a people who has a valuable resource and much power use that resource to A, further their interests only in a gated community sort of isolationist way, or B, seek to dominate others in the world as revenge for historical injustices, or C, help people in other countries to improve their lives. Those are the very choices I would submit to you that we are all faced with as Americans, as individuals. For Pontius Pilate, <coughs> excuse me, his power as an extension of the Roman Empire was clearly a tool for domination. 
not as a revenge for injustices, but simply because he could dominate. Pilate assumes in his encounter with Jesus that he, Pilate, has this kind of coercive power, the kind of power that can decide whether a man lives or dies. So at one point, as he's trying to figure out what to do with Jesus, Pilate, lording his power over Jesus, says to him, Don't you know that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Jesus is not impressed. He says in response, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from beyond. Here's an important point. Power is always a spiritual matter, no matter how it is exercised. It is bestowed from above. It is the capacity to impact another person's life. The question is, how will you use that power that has been given to you by God, whether through a natural endowment of abilities or by the power of the Holy Spirit, whether you are Pontius Pilate, a school teacher, a student, a parent, a tech engineer, or whatever, you have power. And that power is always spiritual. Will your power be used to help the lives around you to flourish? Or will your power be used to control and diminish the lives of those around you? This is always the question of those who are called, those of us who are called, in this world to join God in God's work in the world. Pilate used his power how? Ultimately, when you're reading this one, it's pretty clear to protect himself and his political future from the threats that the Jewish leaders were making. It says he became very afraid during the trial. This is not because he was afraid of, Ju of Jesus or the Jewish leaders. He was not. He became afraid that his political future would be damaged if he didn't act decisively. So Pilate chose political expediency over justice and innocence. Why take the chance that Jesus would empower his people? Often power is wielded in such a way that it takes power away from others, makes them weaker. This is what the Romans did with the Jews. This world all too often wields power as force to control and to instrumentalize others, to use them to accomplish one's own purposes, to impose one's will on others. Do you see this kind of power around you? Where are your imaginations going at this point? In whom do you see this sort of power? When do you see it in yourself? On the other hand, Jesus used his power to heal those who were broken, to forgive those who were burdened, to restore life to those who were without hope. He used his power to empower others, to make them stronger in order to be witnesses to God's promised kingdom and kingdom values. Do you see this kind of power around you? makes other people better. In whom do you see this kind of power? When do you see it in yourself? 
Jesus came to this earth because this world was in the grips of the first kind of power, power that controls and binds people for the sake of someone's agenda other than God's. We all live in that world, don't we? We're all diminished by it, and we wield that kind of power as well. And this kind of power will destroy us. Jesus comes to us as the king of an alternative kingdom where power is wielded for life-giving purposes only. When Pilate interrogates Jesus, he is blind to who Jesus is and what kind of power he has. So he mocks Jesus and the Jews that are pressuring him. He's unaware of who the true king is and what real power is. For instance, during Pilate's interrogation of Jesus, Pilate chooses to mock the Jewish leaders by parading Jesus around as king, dressing him in purple with a crown of thorns, calling him the king of the Jews and continually using the word king. This is meant to, to insult the Jewish leaders who are lobbying heavily for Jesus' death. To Pilate, the idea that this harmless guy named Jesus is really a king is absurd, you see. So he's rubbing the Jewish leaders' noses in it. But the clincher is that after Pilate has sentenced Jesus to crucifixion, actually right before that, when Pilate presents Jesus to the Jewish leaders by sitting Jesus on the judge's bench at the stone pavement, is what it says. Now, the judge's bench is normally reserved only for a real judge with real power. Again, this is all mockery, as clearly Pilate despises the Jews. But irony of ironies, Jesus is not the one being judged, but Pilate, the Jews, and the world are being judged. What is meant as mockery in parading Jesus as king is in fact true. He is king. And Jesus is not really the one on trial. Rather, it is Pilate, the Jewish leaders, and the world who are on trial. Their failure to recognize Jesus for who he is, the word made flesh, the giver of life, the one sent from God, brings judgment upon themselves. Jesus won not by using power to destroy and coerce and exact revenge, but by rising from the dead and spreading life, hope, healing, and forgiveness, and calling and empowering his followers to join him in his work in the world. Jesus is king, but his kingship comes as a shepherd, not warrior. He lays down his life for his flock. That is what we see in the trial scene. Jesus is very much in control of this. The real king who is a shepherd. As I alluded to next month in the GPS course that is coming up, we will talk often about our callings to join Christ in this vision for the world. Our first calling, by the way, is simply to see Jesus for who he is. Recognize his voice and follow him as sheep to their shepherd. But second, 
we are all called in many and various ways to use the power that is given to us from above. For what? To empower those around us, to give life, to encourage life, to restore hope. And this calling can happen anytime, anywhere. In God's kingdom, God is at work in, with, and under us, partnering with us to co-create a more trustworthy and hopeful world. We have an opportunity, all of us, to recognize that our very lives are workshops and laboratories for God's callings to us through the Holy Spirit. We will learn in the months ahead to recognize these callings right in the very places where we live our lives through the story that we call our own, tapping into the passions God has placed in our hearts, utilizing the gifts and the personalities God has given to us, and discovering that this faith community of which we are a part needs for each one of us to find our sweet spot in the body of Christ. The Jesus adorned with purple and a crown of thorns has shown us what real power is. And that is the kingdom we're called to live in. Amen.